everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. We know all of the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company, we wake up and hustle every day. And today, we're talking, just the two of us, about last week's episode with Rachel Sheeran, a motivational speaker, burnout expert, executive trainer, TED Talk giver, podcaster, and future author. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. Dana, what was your what was your first thought takeaway after speaking to Rachel besides like she's amazing, so much yeah. energy. I want to be Rachel when I grow up, even though I believe she's younger than me. I feel like for me, it was, I think always whenever I hear Rachel or speak with her, it's, it's confidence boosting. Mm-hmm. She is someone who can really inspire you to believe in yourself, even if there's actually no reason to believe in yourself <laughs> in your mind. But what really resonated with me a lot, and I mentioned, I think I said it in the podcast, was calling your friend group. And I feel like that's something that I've done for years. And I don't, and I've always been not ashamed of it, but just more like, am I doing the right thing by not letting people in? I'm very protective of my feelings because I have big feelings and I have a hard time processing those feelings with other people. And so very few people actually get the full side of who I am. And I thought that was, it was really almost affirming of saying like surrounding yourself around people that feed you and tell you what you, not necessarily what you need to hear, but the truths about who you are Um, and recognizing them as truths. It's not just them being nice or kind or saying great things to like pump you up or whatever. It's because it's true. I really love that. I totally love that too. I mean, I like I've always been weird about friends. Like I have a very small, small group of people that like know my ins and outs and my everything. And if I'm going to be your friend, it means I'm going to be invested. So my mm-hmm. number is always very, very small. So there's not really been a group to call, I guess, necessarily. Like the the biggest ancillary group that I feel like I've had has been since we've been in business, you know, like other industry friends. And there are some that are truly friends for sure. But I think sometimes it's hard in the industry, especially like owning a venue, like, are they saying these things to get on my venue list? Like, are they Mm. saying these things because they have an end game, you know, or are they saying these things because they're true? Or am I discounting what they're saying because of how I feel about myself? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it is definitely like very different. Like I wasn't, Dana, we can speak to this, like was like college experience was very different. High school experience was very different. Like I've always been a very, I don't even say guarded. I'm not like a guarded person, but very, I don't know. I didn't like need a lot of friends and people yeah. and interaction. And the people that I did have fulfilled that in me. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a high functioning introvert is how I call what I call myself. So I need a lot of alone and downtime mm-hmm. to recharge and be with my thoughts because I think my thoughts are important. <laughs> And not everybody else does. <laughs> That's very accurate. I was yeah. the opposite. I like 
did everything in high school and college and loved people. And I still love people. I mean, people fill me up. I am definitely an extrovert. So I don't have to go deep to have a good time with somebody. Yeah. Like I don't have to. I, I could just have I could just shoot the shit with anybody and have a wonderful time and laugh and have a great night. I, it doesn't have to be serious. And I only want to be serious, you know, with certain people who and it's normally because I'm I'm mulling something over. I'm trying to like figure out how I should actually feel about something or how I should respond to something. And I just need someone I trust to tell me, yeah, you know, how I feel is if how I feel is okay. It's just really powerful, I feel like, for a lot of people to to believe that it's okay that to just have those few people that are feeding you and it doesn't have to be this massive group of people. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like I I think that kind of drowning out the riffraff and mm-hmm. like the noise a lot of times. And I definitely resonated with when she said that she didn't want to tell her mom. Oh, yeah. Like what she was doing. Like kind of segueing from friends and, you know, believing what people around you are saying, but also being afraid to tell the people who whose opinion that you value the most, how hard that can be when you're trying something new and you're doing something different and you're trying to tell the person that you care about the most. So you have the most meat in the game, right? Like you have the most to lose. Like if they disapprove, what are you going to do from here? Yeah, for me, it's actually a little different. It's not about how I think they're going to feel about it. And I actually just listened to this podcast. Brene Brown was interviewing Glennon Doyle on her book, Untamed. And I haven't read the book. It's actually on my list to do, but she had this um, analogy. She talks about her island. And this was when she told her parents that she was dissolving her marriage and she was going to be marrying a lesbian. Yeah. Lesbian going to be marrying Abby. And she loved her parents and her parents were supportive, but they were very fearful. Like they're very afraid of what was going to do to the kids and all that stuff. And they were supposed to come down and she said, you can't come. Like you can't bring fear onto my island. We just need happiness and peace because that's what my family needs. And I feel that I felt that I was driving to Charlotte when I was listening to the podcast and I like, I remember I called Sam and I was like, this is, this is it. Like, this is what it feels like. This is why I'm trying to communicate to people who are my naysayers in my life. And I don't even want to say they're naysayers. They're just, they're fearful. And a lot of that is like my extended family, like my in-laws, they have had corporate jobs their whole life and they love me so unconditionally. They do. And I know that deeply, but their fear of entrepreneurship because they don't understand it like sometimes seeps into how I feel about it. And there's times when I want to say, you can't come onto my entrepreneur island and give me that doubt and fear because that's not what I need right now. And if you can't give that to me, then I can't interact with you in that way. And it's hard. It causes rifts in our marriage and it causes, and I feel I get hurt, I get offended, I get emotional about it because I care deeply for them and I love them a lot. And I know, I know at the end of the day they love me just like a daughter, but it's still so damaging. Yeah. Continuing on with this therapy session that seems to be <laughs> this conversations with sisters, I am similar in a lot of ways because my people group that I care about is so small and so tight that I tend to care about their happiness. I tend to care about their opinion. I tend to care about what their thoughts are on what I'm doing to the point where I have to I have to be super careful because I, I 
will get lost as to what how I feel. Like it's like when she was talking about in therapy, what's your dream? What's your hope? Like it's very easy for me to get lost in what do I want for worrying about what everybody else wants for me, right? And I have to like drown out those voices to get down to like the meat of like, what do I want? Because it's so easy for for people, like I'm easily influenced. I have to be really protective of that because then I have to like sort through it. And I'm a very like, I'm a deep thinker. I spend a lot of time in my own head. I spend a lot of time with my own thoughts and my own ideas kind of sorting through. And I think sometimes from the outside, like as a seven, it doesn't look like that. Like it feels like you're very impulsive and not really thinking through things. But there's a lot of time spent even before presenting an idea or a thought or a life choice or whatever. For me, like that inherent like people pleaser, I want to make you happy comes in and it can drown out how I really feel about something. So it's super important for me to be cautious about what I'm sharing and what I'm divulging or whatever, because I can get lost in it. And I can make choices that don't reflect what I want. And I get stuck in them. And I've found this in many aspects of my life where I'm in the middle of a life that I don't want. Like, this doesn't look like anything, like how I would want to be doing or want to be treated or want to be acting. But I found myself here because I was following somebody else. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I mean, obviously, I know that about you because we've had many <laughs> deep conversations about this. But I I personally feel like when you came to that realization and when you finally started saying basically, you know, I don't know if I can, I could say like, fuck it, but like, I'm important. It's about, not that it was a selfish about me, but it was like, this is what I actually want. This is Mm -hmm. what I actually think. And I don't care if what I think is going to upset you, but because this is my truth. And I feel like that came out after many years of therapy for you. Yeah, totally. Um, And kind of honed that in for what you actually were trying to communicate. Yeah, I totally, I agree with that. Because I, there was just like how Rachel felt, like I totally resonated with that. Like there was a point where you could have asked me what I wanted and I could not tell you. And it was a very like stark moment for me. I mean, I can go back to that place and see how I was feeling where it was like, I actually have no idea. But I literally had no idea. And I think bringing it back to entrepreneurship or bringing it back into like taking that big jump into like something new and something scary, something that maybe you're an imposter at. I think that moving out of that place of survival, like whatever you're coming from, like it doesn't allow you for to have dreams. It doesn't allow you to have vision. Like when you're like in that survival mode, it doesn't allow you to think as a way of survival about what could be better or what could be more. Do you know what I mean? And I think people feel like that a lot of times in their careers. Like I know like for Uh, Like when I was a teacher and you were a teacher, like I knew that wasn't my gig. Like I knew it year two. I knew it year three. I knew it year four. You know, I knew all the years that it wasn't my gig. And I remember someone telling me one time, like, you'd be a great administrator. And I was like, I am not committing any more time education to this. Like, I know that this is not me. And God bless teachers who it is them. Like my son has a teacher now that's like amazing. Like she just was natural born teacher, such an encourager, wonderful teacher. Like that was never me, right? It was a job for me. And I don't think anybody wants their teacher of their child to say, this is just a job. (laughs) Like I could be doing this or I could be flipping burgers. Either one, this is what I'm doing now. But I remember at the time I was like, I didn't have any vision for it, right? I didn't see any future. There wasn't any hope or dream. There was nothing at the end of it for me. And I think sometimes when you know that you're ready to like pivot and move on, it's like that. Like you don't have a hope. You don't have a dream. You can't put your finger on it. 
So Rachel kind of touched on this too. She said like her dream was just to be happy. And I think that's a great dream (laughs) Um, just to be happy. But I, I sometimes find being an entrepreneur is sorting out what is going to make me happy because sometimes what I think will make me happy actually will not make me happy. It will either add more stress or it's something that I am not ready to let go or whatever. But Rachel actually had a great – one of her podcast episodes was The Effort List. Yeah, I like that one. And my list was so long. And I remember going home to Sam and I was like, I have more on my effort list than things I actually want to do this year. <laughs> There's more that I want to throw away and put in the garbage and pretend that never happened than things that I actually want to maintain in my life. And that should tell you something about my state of mental health right now, <laughs> where I am at. But it was it it is hard because and and I think for me I I am an a I am not a dreamer I am not a visionary I I feel like I have good ideas I feel like I can help brainstorm things but it is not my natural inclination to to forecast what I want to do yeah you're like a prag you're a pragmatic you're like such a practical person yes so I have a really hard time saying what I want and even knowing what I want truly like knowing what will make me happy. I actually don't know that answer. And I can, and I honestly could tell you, like, I know I said, like, my dream was to stop planning weddings, but it's not because I don't love weddings. I actually love it. And I love all the clients I have this year. Like, I adore all of them. They make me laugh. I enjoy getting drinks with them. I want to be friends with them. I don't want the responsibility of their wedding all the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard when you're trying to build a business and grow a business and be in the middle of your business. And so it's not that I don't love it because I do love it. I don't love what it takes away from my overall job as a boss. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that to me, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. Like it's not the negative. It's like the positive of entrepreneurship is where, okay, let me try this. I love it. And I can see where I can facilitate it, but don't want to do it. I can build a team around it. And it allows you, like running a small business, it allows you to like shift and form into so many different roles to try it on and to say that doesn't work and then to try on something else, right? And it also allows you to see where what didn't work for you is like a great fit for somebody else. And now you have this amazing team member that kind of completes your entrepreneurial vision. And I totally love that. Like I love the idea of trying on something, discarding it, giving it to somebody else. Like you steam this, right? I'm not, I'm not steaming anymore. I'm not doing it. I don't love it. It's not my thing, but I would like to pick out all the clothes that you're going to steam, you know, or I would love to pick out the models that are going to wear the clothes that you're going to steam. Or I would like to like direct this set. I'd like to be a creative visionary for whatever it is. And so I think that's like the joy in entrepreneurship is to be able to try things on, find better fits than yourself. Like I always tell people, when I'm building a team that I want to be the weakest link on my team because I'm not building the best team if I'm the best person on it. Everybody that I hire, I want them to have skills that are better than mine because I want them to grow and move, move my team forward. Like I've gotten my team as far, and I mean I by we, have gotten our team as far as it's going to go. We need other visions. We need other interest and ideas and enthusiasm for what we're doing to take it to the next level. And that's what I love about growing a team and entrepreneurship and whatnot. I know. I, and I think what I like, what I love about Rachel is 
one, she's like so genuine. It's just so genuine and authentic. And it's funny because when you first meet her or talk to her, it doesn't always come across that way because you're like, no one can be that happy. No one can love what they do that much. The more you talk to her, the more you realize that her why for what she does is so deeply rooted into who she is. And I think it's why she's so successful because it is a very authentic and genuine place uh, for her for to have to be this motivational speaker because that's just who, who she is. I can only imagine her as like a 16-year-old best friend, right? Yeah. Who like <laughs> – She probably got you in lots of trouble. Well, not even that, but she's the one like your boyfriend just dumped you and like he started dating some other girl and she is like, that girl is crap. Like you are beautiful and wonderful and you have – like the best hair and, you know, you can have zits all over your face, but she's like, you are just so beautiful. I mean, she is like the one that's going to pull every positive thing out of you and tell you to your face why you are amazing and why this, you know, jackass was a total stupid person for dumping you, right? I feel like she was going to start a smear campaign against the guy too. I mean, I think yeah. she would go all out at Yeah, 16. like she is like your person. Like she is going to – She's like your hype woman. Yeah, but like even just the person who no matter what you do, even if you did the most shameful thing in the world, you could be like, Rachel, I can't believe I did this. And she'd be like, girl, I've done the same thing. <laughs> like no judgment, right? Oh, man, I could totally vouch for that. Like she's yeah. totally that way. Oh, yeah. No, but I'm saying so like I think for her, like sh- her why is so deeply rooted into who she is. And I think for a lot of times, and I can honestly say for entrepreneurship, there is some people who love the the like the actual industry they're going into, right? Like maybe someone's why is because they love weddings or they love cooking, so they want to be a chef or they love SEO, so they want to like help other businesses. Like there are people, like maybe <laughs> who like, are these people? I don't know. I'm sure there's people, <laughs> but they love that part of it, and that and that deeply feeds into who they are. And then there's, I think, another group of people who their why is purely about business. Like they just love the ride of entrepreneurship. And so when she's talking and telling about this, you know, she took six months or whatever, and I'm like. I personally got like drug into entrepreneurship by you, right? You're the one that convinced me to do this. And it wasn't anything having to do with because I was like, I one day wanted to own my own company at all. Like planning just became this avenue to opening a venue. And then eventually I actually really loved planning and I loved the design of it. And I loved the connection with brides and and whatnot. And now that's evolved into something completely different where I just really love people. Like I love talking to other entrepreneurs, other, just other people in the industry, you know, that's what brings me joy more than what originally was. And so I, I I don't know. I just, I felt like it was one of those things where I was like, am I going to be in it for the long game? Because I could see someone like Rachel who her why is so deeply rooted into who she is. Like she's in it for the long game. Like that's, that's end game for her. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, I can't say that right now. This is my end game because it's not deeply rooted into who I am. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It makes sense. I mean, I, well, you know, even more so do not want to plan weddings. Like I have slight ADD in general and being pulled back into that even though I only have a couple this year that I'm finishing out from 2020, which was supposed to be my last one. Like it really distracts me from what I'm doing, right? Then I have to get refocused and it just feels like it just feels like there's a lot. And I think there is a point where it is 
you can't manage what you're doing and do what you're doing well, right? Like we're managing this large team and I love the girls. So I love being able to push other people towards their best. Like I love being able to see our girls grow and succeed and hit their, you know, shatter that ceiling and be able to make avenues for them to dream big. Like I, like when we talk about, and I don't know if our luxury planning line is going to be launched when this comes out, I think not, but you know, we have a couple of girls who are, you know, launching a luxury planning line that, you know, we're coming alongside of, but it's been so much fun, even though I don't actually want to do it. It's been a whole lot of fun facilitating that dream and seeing them dream big, right? Because it feels like it feels a lot like the beginning of C&D to us. Right. And, and it, the big, and I love that. Yeah. The big difference is us coming alongside in a very supportive role. Right. Like where we're there just bouncing ideas, honestly, probably crushing some dreams when they send us a tagline we don't like. <laughs> nah, that's not good. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, but I mean, it's really just a supportive role and a supportive role for the clients too. I mean, we're there in some capacity, but we're not the brains behind it. And it does feel really good. And it feels really great to like see, you know, these women excel in something and know that that we had a hand in that and, and creating and making this space available for them to to make their dreams bigger than what we we what we even thought for them. Right. Well, to know that Yes, they came to work for us as their employees, but they feel so empowered right. to still dream and to still have vision and to still feel and know that they're able to go off and make have these great ideas and that we're going to help facilitate them. Like, how amazing is that? Right. Like, that's amazing. Like, you're inspiring the next round of entrepreneurs right out of our own business. Mm-hmm. And now they have the backing and the, you know, finances of our business to help promote the next thing. And I think that... Yes, it's about wedding planning. And yes, I love our venue and I want it to be amazing and I want it to be the place to get married in North Carolina. But also I want for our employees to know that there is no ceiling, not even here in our company. There is no ceiling. Like make it what you want it. You are empowered. I agree. It's what makes it unique to work for us. And I think it's what makes it great for our company. But I also think it's our downfall sometimes because we inspire people so much that, you know, they go and do something else and walk away. And I, and I don't want to say downfall because it's not a bad thing. So I think we like, I think it's great that people want to open up their own company and whatnot, but it always is like a little, it's a little tinge of hurt, you know, that obviously we didn't create an environment well enough for you. Really all I think is good luck. <laughs> yeah, I do think that too. You don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different perspectives on this. Yeah. Um, but yes. I definitely think so. I think that is some of the magic that we bring to the table. Well, let's bring some levity to this conversation yeah. and end it here. So I loved how Rachel, during her six months of just waiting around in the ethers, she drove for Uber and did some steaming on some sets and whatnot. I love that. So let's say the pandemic got worse. Let's say that, I don't know, we just got sued and had no money. What would be your Uber job to get us through? I have no idea. I know that I, I feel like I should have an answer to that. But my backup always, always pre-pandemic was that if I could not make it, I was going to go work in a dress shop because I like loved say yes to the dress. I still loved brides. I loved the fashion. I love making people feel beautiful and comfortable. Like I always thought that. So obviously the pandemic, bride shops probably wouldn't be open. That probably wouldn't be an option. 
Yeah. So, I mean, more than likely, I'll probably just go work in some like corporate managerial something. Like I got headhunted to be a headhunter at one point. So I thought that, I don't know. I really don't know. I know that's like not a that great answer. That's a very answer. boring answer. I know, but I like I don't, don't approve. Maybe I would go Uber. I don't know. <laughs> it's I can't imagine life outside of teaching in the industry. That's like all I know. And I only know hospitality because I only ever worked in a restaurant or I worked in Ann Taylor or like all I know is hospitality. I don't know anything different. So I can't imagine the industry being so crumbled and dead that there was nothing available. All right. Well, you're certainly not going to join a think tank anywhere. That's not going to be a job for you. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking that I would be some sort of like a mixologist. I remember when we went to, yeah, like NACE in Cincinnati and there was this really cool, we did this whiskey tasting for lunch, which was yummy. And there was a mixologist. And I just remember feeling like so like, enthused by her passion for it like she knew so much about it and like she was so passionate like you could just feel it right you know like how when you experience somebody who's like super passionate you like get all the tingles like you're just experiencing their energy yeah like I felt like that like maybe I could be equally as energetic about great cocktails that would not be around in the pandemic (laughs) I would do it on TikTok I would open a TikTok okay Yes, I would be like a, maybe I would be a, a cocktail influencer. Mm, okay. I don't know how I feel about influencers. I feel very negatively about it, but maybe I would be that. Maybe. To learn more about our hustles, visit cndevents.com, thebradfordnc.com, and hustleandgather.com. Or follow us on Instagram at cndevents, at thebradfordnc, and at hustleandgather. And if you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather. Hustle and Gather.